If you had 20 minutes with a counselor, what would you ask? I'm Anna Nash. And I'm Julie Sparkman, the counselor with Restore Ministries here in Birmingham, Alabama. You are listening to Head to Heart, a podcast to help you connect what you know with how you live. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Hi, y'all. It's Anna Nash again. From time to time, Julie will do a message that really impacts many people. And I want to take the opportunity on this podcast to make it available to you as well. So today we're going to listen to a message on the podcast called It Is What It Is, What Now? Embracing Reality Without Resignation. So be blessed by this message. We are praying for you and glad that you've joined us today. As you might not be too surprised, I'm I'm not a very um, typical counselor. Um, like even even the decor in my office, like other counselors will have like scripture verses and pictures of Jesus as a shepherd, things like that. I have a picture of a brick wall. And the reason I have a picture of a brick wall is because I use it a lot. And the way that I come up with ideas on what it is that I want to talk about is I'll notice what it is that I've been saying more often in my office the last couple of months. And what I've been saying more often in the last couple of months is pointing to that wall and saying, you keep hurling your body up against this. The wall is a picture of what I would, it's a, it's a, to represent reality. Reality of your life, which is often hard, impenetrable, and not exactly what you want. And no matter how much you hurl yourself up against it, it remains unchanged. And yet, you, as you continue to hurl up yourself up against it, do not remain unchanged. You change. Because all of that slamming saps your energy and it causes additional pain and anxiety to the point that you begin responding in ways that are totally incongruent with who you want to be and who, as a redeemed woman, you actually are. So here's some great news. Reality is not optional, but the way that you respond to it can be the difference between despair and hope, unbelief and belief, anxiety and rest. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, a number chart, one to 10. One's down here, 10's up here. Okay, and this is your, uh, let's call it your emotional stability chart. Just made that up, okay? Now, a one is everything is going as it should be. Everybody is in line, and you are in line, and reality is in line exactly with the reality and the picture that you have in your mind of how things are supposed to be. In other words, you're either highly drugged or you're laying on a beach in Tahiti, kind of out of touch, one way or another. But in other words, that's not exactly reality. It's kind of like not plugged in. But anyway, that's a one. Ten is when somebody just walked in and said, excuse me, do you have the Ford Envoy? And right away, zoom, you're all the way up to a ten. Oh, my gosh, what's happened? Oh, my. Feelings of anxiety, intensity, etc. Okay off the rails. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I'm saying one to ten? Which, by the way, this is going to be not one of those lunch kind of things. This is going to be more like a class, because I need to hear you 
up, down, up, down. Tell me if this is working for you. Because you know we're writing it together. So, all right, so I want you to get in your mind right now a situation, a reality in your life right now that's not exactly what it, you desire for it to be. One part of your life that you had not pictured. One part. I mean, it could be something small. Uh, the way your snarky teenager spoke to you this morning to something huge. What am I going to do with my mother? Okay? Now, as you say those words, well, well, actually, first off, when you think about that situation and when that situation first happened, what went on in your mind? Was it something like this? This is absolutely ridiculous. This is intolerable, unacceptable, and just plain wrong. I'm not going to put up with this. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No. Is it something like that? That's in the 8 to 10 range. Okay? Do you hear the intensity of that? As you say those words, just even as you say those words, even to pretend, <coughs> what happens inside of you? You feel it? Pay attention to that. Because I'm teaching you how you're going up. Do you see, though, that it was not the situation that caused that? All I had to do was use those words with you. When your feelings hear your brain, tell them those are the words your feelings react by getting uptight and going ratchet, 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 ratchet up that chart. You're climbing the chart as a result of the way that you think. And when you climb the chart, you're actually increasing your pain and anxiety rather than decreasing it. As you are ratcheting up like that and you're saying those things, this is intolerable, this is unacceptable, I can't take this, that's what I would call turbo thoughts. Meaning, they take reality and they shoot it up that anxiety level. Do you understand what a turbo thought is and who's in charge of that? Okay? All right. When you climb that chart, you are increasing that pain and anxiety, are you not? That's an example of what I'm talking about when I'm saying you are systematically slamming yourself up against the wall of reality. When you focus your thoughts, your prayers, and your energy towards what you believe should be, rather than what is, you are not dealing with what is. I'm going to say that again because I particularly liked that line. When you focus your thoughts, prayers, and energy towards what you believe should be, you, in fact, are not really dealing with what is. All right? You cannot be in the moment because you are projecting yourself forward or backward. If you don't get in the moment, you're not going to get through the moment. You're going to get stuck in the moment. You know what I mean by stuck. Ruminate, 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 ruminate. That's all you can think about. That's all you can think about. You just write emails at 3 in the morning in your head. This is what I should have said. This is what she should have said. If this had been happening, then that would have never happened. I'm going to talk to him about that. Okay? Ruminating. Stuck. You're tired of yourself. Do you ever get like that? Do you ever get like, I just want to get away from her. Oh, she's me. <laughs> want to get out of here. All right? So how's, here's how you're going to get out of here. Seven words. It is what it is. What now? Now let me break that down. Because it sounds great in here. It sounds great in here. 
but I say it in my office all the time and I get trouble for it all the time. So I'm going to go on ahead and go and answer what it is that I get told all the time. First off, all right, it is what it is. Now, I want you to notice there, that is a statement of reality minus the evaluation of that reality. I am not saying it is what it is and it's okay because it's not. But neither am I saying it is what it is and this is intolerable. You know why? Because it's not. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation, no situation, no reality has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This truth is, number one, if it happened, he allowed it. But you say, "Uh uh-uh, because it's the result of my sin or their sin or whatever. No. Romans 8, 28, he will work all things, all things, according to the good of those who love him. This doesn't mean that he rewrites reality and makes that which is bad and calls it good. No, it means that he takes the bad and continues to work his plan that always existed before you existed. And whatever's happening right now is not catching him by surprise. Secondly, he's in me. He's in this he's in me. Second Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So you really doubt that when you're headed up there, right? You believe if it's a certain thing, I can't do anything but go crazy. That's just, it's just me. It's who I am. I'm a 10. I live at a 10. Talk to this girl. Okay? I live at a 10. Until I kept getting older and my life, instead of getting closer to the picture, kept getting further away from the picture, more and more and more and more because that's what age does. I didn't understand that. I thought it went the opposite way. No, no, no. Further and further and further away. Therefore, there comes a point where you have to get to the point where you say, this is reality now. What now? And I can deal with it. Because he said that I could. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But he said I could. Acceptance that I'm talking about here is defined as the willingness to tolerate a difficult or an unpleasant situation. Another word for that would be submission to a plan beyond your own. Contrast acceptance with resignation, which is an act of retiring or giving up a position. I will never give up the positions that I have that are the things that tend to make me crazy. Like being a mother who has lots of plans and ideas for her children. Like being a friend who has lots of plans and ideas for her, for her, <clears throat> sorry, Freudian slip, for her friends. <laughs> okay, let me give you an example. I have three children, 
I always forget this. Okay, I think like 28, 23, 19, around there. Um, all right, so the 28 and the 23 live in California. A Californian, just in case you don't know, on your best day, on your best day, which never happens to me, but on your best day, is about a 12-hour trip by plane. That's on your best day if you don't camp in the Atlanta airport, which we personally do at least 50% of the time. So on your best day, it's a whole day there in the airport. Okay? And then that third one of mine, well, when I, she's a freshman in college, but when we were interviewing with the nursing school, um, and they were talking about doing your practicum or whatever it is that they call it, nursing, your nursing hours, guess what her first question was? Would it be all right if I did my nursing hours in California? That little girl's already got her bag packed. I'm losing them to California. I just need to tell you that as a mother, that is not the way that it was supposed to go. See, because I was going to have one of those baskets of toys in my den for when the grandkids came over, and they were going to call me like Mimi and my husband like, I don't know, Doo or whatever it is. They always call those weird names, and we were going to be Mimi and Doo and and um, we're going to have to edit that. And so it's not turning out like that. It's not turning out like that. And you know what? I have this feeling they're not coming back because there's this horrible thing about California. No bugs, no humidity, <laughs> no money, FYI, but that doesn't seem to be bothering them, but it is going to pro prohibit us from going there. It's a hard reality, and I face it all the time. I'm going to probably face it today because somebody's going to be here with their daughter. And I'm going to say, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. But when it begins to think, I begin to think like this, I can't believe this. Poor me. That's the way that it was supposed to be. It's the way that it was supposed to be. And I begin to ruminate. All I see is mothers with their daughters. That's all I see. And that's me slamming up against the wall of reality. So I have to train my head to ratchet down and say, it is what it is. Now what? Okay? So I did. So I thought, you know, I said to my husband, we really have to make a plan on this because I can't see my kid every six months. That just isn't going to work. We're, I want to put it on the calendar and I'll do as many retreats and talk to as many people as I possibly can to buy at least four trips out to California. And then I also got this other idea that we would rent a house at the beach once a year and like make Mimi and Dudu rem there, um, memories there with the kids. Um, and that was so great because this is, this is my reality. This is what's happening. Like Easter time, this is a really true story. I'm laying on the couch by myself after the ham and the uh, house is empty. I'm feeling really sorry for myself. Ding, ding. Oh, look, it's a text from California. I look at it. Oh, there's my two kids on the boat with his in-laws running around the, on the Duffy and the, um, in the um, bay, in that, that nice, and they had like little Easter decorations, and hi, Mom, they said, hi, 
Hi, I said I'm so happy they're having a good time. And, I, and I'm telling you again, the same thing happened at 4th of July. Ding, ding. I'm sitting there with a burnout sparkler all by myself once again. Ding, ding. It's the same picture, only instead now on the table is a little flag and let's, cause she, the mother loves decorating and it's so cute and it's so fun and they're having, and I'm just saying now, what kind of a mother isn't going to be happy for her children that they're having a good time out on the Duffy in the Bay instead of being in Alabama with the heat and the bugs <laughs> and their mother? So again, but I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming about that week that we're going to have together at Seaside until, that's a true story. He calls me, my son. Guess what, he says. Um, my in-laws have rented a house for a week in Hawaii. <laughs> we're all going. Family vacation. Their Christmas card that year had my child on it. <laughs> Hawaii. Hawaii. House in Hawaii. So much for Seaside, Okay. Now, I take a look at it, zing, and out into my head is something along the lines of this. I cannot compete with this. My children are as good as gone. It doesn't make any difference. I'll never have the dream. My heart will live brokenhearted forever. They have bought him, which is awful. I'll tell you the worst part. They are the most <laughs> wonderful, wonderful people. They are wonderful people, which irritates the stew out of me because I can't even say anything bad about them. They're fabulous people. She will be the nice grandmother. I will be the personality one. But anyway, so, so wonderful. And so when I'm thinking things like this, do you, do you hear the intensity that I'm rising with, right? Event, all I did was get the text. Feeling, I'm never going to be able to compete with this. This is awful. This is intolerable. I hate this. I hate my life. Result, what am I going to do as a, res as a result of that? Well, probably if I allow myself to stay there right in the 8 to 10 range, I'm going to give him a call. Hey, <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, I'm just here by myself. <laughs> oh, baby, did you have a good time with them? <laughs> I know how to work that. I know how to work that, and as I'm working that, I'm hating it. I'm hating it. I'm hating me. I'm saying, who is this? Who just took me over? This guilt mother thrashing her kid. You know what's making me do that? My head. My head. Because my head is dictating my heart, and my heart is what dictates my actions. The problem, then, is not in the reality. The problem is in the way that I'm processing that reality. The fact that I'm using turbo thoughts, things that say untruths, that thrash me up. This is intolerable. I can't do this. This is awful. This isn't good. This is bad. One thing that's helpful is when you're in that place, which by the way, I think for a lot of things, particularly painful things, you might be in that place for a little while. Okay, you might be there for a little while. It's not an immediate process. But when I'm in that place, or when my clients are in that place, I encourage them, pray those thoughts, rather than think those thoughts. What do you mean? Well, it would be something like this. God, this is intolerable. God, what you have allowed is wrong. Does that make you a little uncomfortable? 
I know, I know, but you must understand that's what you're already doing. You're just not doing it face to face. And he encourages you, do it face to face. Because he is not offended nor angered by that. As a matter of fact, when David did that in the Psalms, that exact thing, he later called David the man after his own heart. Why? Because David gave him the utmost respect of saying, you are in charge. You can do all things. What now? He started by saying it pretty sassy, pretty close to blasphemy. And then he ends, the cadence is always the same with a genuine curiosity. What now? It is what it is. What now? When I do that, I begin to ratchet down. I do not ratchet down to a one or a two or a three. On my best day, on my best day, I'm a five, which is the definition of stable. <laughs> but when it's hard, I might be up to a six to seven. But see, in a six to seven, I can still be fairly rational. But when we're in an eight to 10, uh-uh. I can't have the conversation. I can't deal with the situation. I will blow it. In fact, what I'm saying to you is by hurling yourself up against reality, in fact, you're making it absolutely certain that you cannot deal effectively, effectively with reality. Go on ahead, try to talk to him then. Write the email when you're in the eight to 10. Didn't work. <clears throat> Gotta ratchet down. When I do that, I become curious rather than bitter. This isn't what I want, but you are in it, and you are in me, and I am not doomed to despair. I am not resigned. I'm curious. What's he doing, and how do I follow him? Now, for those of you who say, are you then advocating what? We just lay around and be passive? Now, you've spent, I don't know, five, ten minutes with me. Do I seem like a passive woman? <laughs> no, in fact, what I'm saying is, if you don't do this, you're not dealing with it. You're just running around in circles. Effectively dealing with it, there's a prerequisite, and the prerequisite is, I have to accept it. Which brings me to, what now? What now? You see, that's it. There's the key. Never just say it is what it is, because that is fatalistic. The believer, the children of the redeeming God say it is what it is. What now? Oh, see, now those two last words, those are words of hope. Those are words of genuine curiosity. And those are words that have behind them a willingness to obey what it is that he says. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by faith, not by sight. This is the point of learning to be a daughter. Choosing to believe that she was designed by one who knows what she can bear. Choosing to believe that there is more than she can see with her own eyes. But that he does see it, and he holds it, and he holds her and those that she loves. It is choosing to obey his voice and not 
her own best guess. This is hard. This is very, very hard. I don't even like the words choose because I don't want to choose. I want to do everything, everything, whatever it is that I want to do. Interestingly, that does not lead me to freedom, does it? We need not be surprised when finding stability in the Father involves a lot of work on your part. It's not a whoosh of Shekinah glory as you read a couple of Psalms. Sometimes that happens, but I'll be honest, I could count on less than one hand the amount of times that's happened for me. Peace is hard won. Don't be surprised by that. Give yourself to that because that's what he says. John 6, 29, the work is to believe. The work is to believe in the one he sent. Not, the work is to do the right thing. Think right thoughts. The work is to believe. Accepting reality is the opposite of resignation. And it is the prerequisite to wisdom and obedience and the glory of God, which is what you were ultimately designed for and in which you will find your greatest joy, your greatest peace, and your greatest freedom. And it has very little to do with your picture. Martin Luther said, we are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. Just because you say it is what it is, what now, doesn't mean you go, well, okay, whatever. I feel. It's hard. I don't do that phrase one time for each event in my life. I promise you, I will say that phrase before I leave this room. It is what it is. What now? She's a size five true blonde who would never wear a throw around her shoulders. <laughs> it is what it is. What now? It enables me to breathe in the hard times. It helps me see him in the really, really, really dark times. It doesn't help me understand it. It doesn't. It helps me say, I know you're in this. And that helps me see a glimmer of him in it. A little bit of manna for the moment. It doesn't explain everything and it doesn't take the pain away, but it's a little bit of manna for the moment that I can say thank you for. And when I say thank you, I open up a little bit more. I breathe a little bit easier. I feel a little bit more stable. And I act a little bit more in congruence with who I really want to be because I have the spirit of Christ within me. And when I act like a lunatic, that is not me. 
the stable woman. That is me when I choose to live out of it. But that is hard because some of you are facing some really hard realities. How are you responding to it? How do you talk to yourself? Who are you blaming? Where is your ultimate hope to be found? Is it in proximity to the way that you hope it will be? That's nice. It is. It is. I love it when I'm with them. But it's always temporary. Always. No matter what it is. When I am enjoying life inside of my picture, those sweet, sweet moments, I know this is temporary. But when I've learned how to find stability with the Father, in fact, it helps me more fully enjoy being in those moments because I'm not so frightened. I got to hang on to it and step everything out of it. That was Christmas two years ago. <laughs> it was dream Christmas. The kids were coming home. I got them. And we just hung out in our pajamas and did all that stuff. And I had this feeling in my stomach the entire time. How many more hours? How many more hours? How many more hours? I can't imagine I'm going to have to say goodbye. How am I going to say goodbye? Are they having a good enough time? I want them to have a good time because if they have a good enough, good enough time, then they'll come back. You better be nice, which of course makes me not nice. <laughs> that was two years ago. But as I've begun to accept it is what it is, I noticed a difference this Christmas. We were out there. Um, Christmas with a tan. That is odd, let me just say. But as I was with them and I was enjoying those sweet moments of being right smack in the picture. I have it all on my, on my phone if anyone would like to see pictures afterwards. <laughs> it was a great time, but there was no inner angst. There was nothing in me that said, hold on to this, hold on to this, hold on to this. How do you make this happen again? I could be fully present with my hand open. I was free. I was free. And so even when things are there, you're fully there. Because you don't have this fear that when you're not there, you're going to be in the 8 to 10 range. Because you've learned. No. I'm not a victim to that. I'm not a victim to what's outside of me. Oh my word. I can accept reality in strength to move forth in hope to the glory of God. Because that's what I was made for. Ecclesiastes 3.11 found this today. Yes, today. <laughs> Less than 12 hours ago. Uh, <clears throat> he made everything appropriate in its time. He also placed eternity within them. Yet no person can fully comprehend what God is doing from beginning to end. <laughs>